So Nicole has this wonderful relationship with all of these people on YouTube. And the last time we talked, you had about 150,000 subscribers. Do you, so back that was back in April of 2020. Do you remember April of 2020? It's like a fuzzy little memory. Like it is a blip of time. I remember our call and yeah. I remember being like, oh shit. And I remember my mom sharing it on Facebook. And that was a very big deal of everything that I've ever done in my entire life. She thought that my call with you, my interview with you was the highlight and the peak of my career. And she still sees it as that. And so for that, I'm very grateful for our call. Why did in April she like it so much? Like what was, what, 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 why did she enjoy it so much? I think she saw an adult talking to me and she's like, oh, this is yeah. the real deal. He's an author this he's the man and i was like all right so to this day my mom doesn't see me as like a youtuber or a content creator she is like oh yeah she once did an interview with harlan so well you are i mean you are a you're you're very talented you know and i saw that before and and i'm listen i'm no judge of talent you know i'm just i just like i just thought you were interesting and i like the content you've got a voice and you're very vulnerable and you're authentic and you uh you know, I think you reflect what a lot of people are going through in their life. And we're going through like in April, 2020, you were a college, I think a, a junior, I think. right? Yeah, yeah I was. So I you was. were a college junior at Temple University, correct? Yeah. Yeah. With 150,000 followers on YouTube and a career like you had, that was the beginning of your agency relationship, I believe. Yeah. It literally, yeah. It just started too. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what's so awesome. I was so pumped to have the chance to to check in with you again because, like, you're in it. Like, you're in it, Nicole, right? Like, how's it feel to be in it? A lot has changed, definitely, like, the last three years. And, like, now that we're talking about it, I mean, sometimes I do like to go back and, and think about it, like, to see the progression of things and and how much things have changed. But I also try not to get too wrapped up in it because I still feel like the same person and kind of doing the same things. Like every year of my life, I feel like, for example, this like little trip that I'm taking this weekend with my family, it's like Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. We've been doing this every single year and every single year I'm like, I wonder what my life is going to be like a year from now. And it's always so much more different than I expect, but I'm still always kind of doing the same thing, which I'm so happy about. Like I'm, I'm still like making videos. I'm still friends with the same people and doing the same. Like it's not I'm happy that I've I've still stayed relatively the same, but in terms of like the people who are watching me, that's changed because obviously that's grown and like my style has changed and that's really cool and I'm in a much better place, but a lot has changed. I'm honestly so grateful because like three years ago, I feel like I was just at the very beginning and I was like a little baby, like a little tiny baby who was just starting things out. And I was like, didn't know what I wanted to do with my life and didn't know what the future looked like and things had to get a lot worse before it got better, but I feel like I'm, I feel very, very calm and at peace with where I am right now. Yeah. That's a hard thing to be at peace and calm. Yeah, definitely. It's beautiful that you're so over the past three years, there have been a lot of events. And I think just looking at mar a mark in time. So mm -hmm. going from junior year of college, which is a fascinating time to now being a graduate, a college graduate, living on your own, living mm -hmm. an independent life as an adult, there's so many changes. And then I also love that you're going back to Delaware and you have like these anchor spots, these 
these people who are like anchors in your life. And even though your life has dramatically changed, there are a lot of constants that keep you grounded, right? Yeah, definitely. I think that's reassuring for a lot of people who are like, like, oh shit, like what's going to happen with my life? And Mm -hmm. it seems so uncertain, but there are, there are those things that kind of anchor you, right? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely have, I have a really great group of people in my life who have been like anchors in my life. Some stretching back as far as like middle school, some high school, some college, and then some obviously my family have been there since the dawn of time. But like, I have a very good set of constants. I'm very happy. They're like high quality constants. They're like, they're like five out of five stars of constants in my life. That's amazing. Cause, because a lot of people, when they go to college, they're all freaked out. I've been getting a lot of letters from yeah. people, a lot of messages, people who are like, Hey, you know, I'm worried about my friends and losing touch with them. And, and it's like those friends that you had that really knew you when you were your most awkward and mm-hmm. the worst version of you, even though it wasn't the worst version, like they stick with you, right? Like they're, Absolutely. they're Absolutely. Yeah. My, my best friend, I've had her since sixth grade of middle school. So I don't know how old you are when you're in like sixth grade, but now I'm 23. So we've been friends for at least like 10, 11, 12 years. She's my best friend, lives down the street, just text me today, asking if I can pick her up from the airport. And we're planning on what we're going to do, you know, next week. And did I know like when I was, you know, 10 years old that she was going to still be like a sister to me? I was hoping so, but like it happens and I'm very lucky. And then there's some people who I was like, oh, this person will be in my life for the rest of my life. And then they're not, but I'm like strangely okay with it and at peace, whether it ended amicably or not. I'm like, what happened? I'm happened, but I'm still happy for, you know, the people who I still have. And I consider them like family. And like, I feel like if you really like nurture those relationships, the ones that you really care about, it's, it's doable. Yeah. I think it's hopeful. Cause I, I love mm-hmm. that. I think there's so many, there's so much uncertainty with friends they do come and go and you have that, you have that anchor. So you're going to Delaware kind of like, it's a moment in time where you just kind of take pause and and you get to reflect. So I want to learn about this journey from going from college to career. Cause I know that yours was very bumpy. Yeah. You had a lot of, you, you like to do bumpy. I do. It's, right. it's part, it's part of the right. I also, I also don't think, I also like, um, uh, back roads a lot. Back roads, right? I like think scenic routes. Mm, see, I think the path that everyone takes, for whatever reason, I thought that was I thought it was boring and it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. I was like, mm-hmm. why would you take that path? Everybody sees that like that scenery. I want to like I want to go off roading. Yeah, and, that's that's what I've been doing. That's why I got a car that's four wheel drive so that I can do that. So like not just like metaphorically, but like real. That too, but. Right. But now that I think about it metaphorically, also like, yeah, also metaphorically, like now that I think about it, like I always, always was like, I need to do something non-traditionally or mm-hmm. I need to take take the path that is non-traditional because it seems A, more fun and B, I feel like I can do it. And I feel yeah. like it's yeah. it's much more fun that way, even if it seems more difficult. So I have been doing that most of my life. Right. And I'm a lot older than you, so I can share some insight. Are you open to any, are you open to wisdom and insight? I, I would say today I am open for wisdom and insight. Yes. Okay. Cause I have one gem. Okay. I'd love to hear yeah, it. Yeah. I just thought of it. I just thought of some wisdom. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to share it. So what I've learned recently is that, that, that main road, the road that so many people go down 
is actually an incredibly helpful road to go down when I have the 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 life experience because I've reached a point now where I am so excited to share all the things I've learned, but the way to share it is to look at other people who have gone down the path and figured out how to create a road to get somewhere pretty exciting. So mm-hmm. one of the things is like, I love, so my YouTube channel, like I really want to do more with my YouTube channel. My, my social media has really blown up recently since, since we talked, um, back, it's been crazy. Like you were really nice. I actually really appreciated you taking the time to visit with me. Cause you know, I'm, I'm an author and journalist, but you know, it's like, very niche, you know, like there's a lot of people who would know me because they know the stuff that I do, but there's many, 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 many more people who wouldn't know me. So, um, I've worked really hard to do something very scary over the past two years, and that's to make videos, daily content, you know, and yeah. it's, it's frightening. And it's paying off though. It, you know, it, it is. And it's, and I, I, I've been working through this with my therapist over the years, because so much of what I did early on was like me, want me, notice me, right? Mm-hmm. I really needed people to notice me so that I had value mm-hmm. because I haven't had a lot of it. And I've had a terrible self, I have terrible self-esteem and I'm, I've worked through that. I, I have much more value, but I know you also have terrible self-esteem or you had terrible self-esteem. Did yeah. you? Right. Yeah. I, I would say that's more accurate. I'm like, now when I think of myself, I'm like, I think I'm pretty good. Yeah, but at the same, but I have my lapses for sure. You've grown, and I don't want to, you know, I I base this on the content that you've created, being yeah. very open about your emotional struggles, um, and yeah. emotional victories, um, the change in the type of video content you're creating, the type of content you're creating now, going from right. more lifestyle and and all of the things happening in your world to being a little more reflective on society and trends and culture and offering commentary. Mm -hmm. Right. And we'll, we'll talk about that. But, um, that part of, you know, I think so much of, of what I did before, yes, I always wanted to help people, but I also really wanted to be noticed and liked. And, um, even though I'm an expert on rejection and all those things, but what happened is, and I share this because I think the part that, that is so interesting is putting myself out there every day really is not about me. Like it's really, mm-hmm. it's truly been not about notice me and look at me. And it's been, and it really started in COVID. It's like, wow, it's COVID. I can't share something that I think has value. And if I'm not sharing this information that has value, then then really, why am I doing this? Right? right. So Absolutely. I started offering content with an understanding that people are either going to like it or not like it, but my only job is to offer it without requiring anything in return. Yeah, I think that's amazing to to live by. And that's been and that has been the thing that has changed, you know, just my my life and communication because it's it's really not about look at me and notice me. It's about uh look at what I'm sharing and mm-hmm. if you notice it great and if you not and if you don't notice it, it'll be here when you want it. And that's that's surprisingly very similar how I feel about my work now too as well. Yeah, one of your videos and we've got a link in the show notes to Nicole's videos. One of your videos that like really blew up was the the video about about people like not caring what people think about you, right? Mm-hmm. So, will you share with everyone your philosophy on being okay with people not liking you? Yeah. Um truly my 
personal belief is that it's not my business what anyone else thinks of me. It's quite literally like not even in like a in a kind way, like, oh, it's it's not your business. Don't worry about it. But in a quite literal sense, it, it's literally not your business. Like it does not pertain to you and it doesn't really matter at all unless that person decides to share that with you and you can do what you want with that. But truly, I I spent a lot of my life caring about what other people thought about me and caring about how I was perceived by others. And like, I'd be a liar if I said like, oh, I'm completely immune to that. And, and I don't care about that at all anymore, because I still, of course, do care about that to a certain extent. But I don't live my life based off of what others uh, expect from me or what would make others happy anymore. And I truly am like, it, it does all the people who I ever tried to make, you know, do the things that I did to either not embarrass myself in front of others or to impress others. Most of those people aren't even in my life anymore. And the people who I really like those constants that we talked about, who I actually really do care about will support me no matter what I do um, and will care about me regardless. And so once I started to realize that kind of just me on this and, and obviously like COVID helped with that because I spent a lot of time alone and, you know, didn't have to surround myself with people who I didn't necessarily want to. I, I cared less and less about what others thought about me because it didn't affect me every day of my life. I also live with the idea of like, I will probably never see these people again. And if I do see these people again, as long as I'm not hurting them or hurting myself or doing something that would like leave an awful lasting impression, I'm really not doing anything wrong. And I think that was a huge fear of mine was taking up space and being um, a person, like even living in society. Like I felt so guilty that I was taking up room. And especially as a woman, that's very, a lot of women can can relate to that. And a lot of people can relate to that. But I think, um, I think that has definitely helped was just realizing like I'm worthy and I'm deserving. And I think a lot of that came with age as well. So, I agree with all that. And I think that if you're 16, it's, it's almost impossible. If you're 18, it's really hard. I mean, yeah. 38, it can be really hard or yeah. 40 or 50, or whatever. But when you encounter people who uh, don't respond the way you want or offer you critical feedback, uh, you know, how do you deal with that? Like, like, give me an example of something that would have hurt your feelings in the past. Yeah. Now doesn't hurt your feelings in the present. Someone someone left a comment on a, on my videos yesterday because I still love to read through my comments. I don't read them all nearly as much as I used to. Like before, if I didn't read everything. I was like, oh my God, like I feel like I'm missing out. But now I'm like, it's okay if I don't get to everything because to be honest, like I'm grateful for the outpouring support and I love to read feedback, but I also can't spend all day just like flipping through comments because it's yeah. not, we're, our brains are not meant for that. But um, someone left a, a comment that I am so annoying yesterday and that they couldn't stand listening to me anymore. And then went on to another video like five minutes later and commented on that video too. I'm like, I wasn't annoying enough for you to not watch another one of my videos though. So mm -hmm. that would have drove me crazy a few years back. I would have been like, who would say something like that? Genuinely, comments like that don't get to me at all anymore because if anything, it's just a bit more funny. And I also realize that it is just simply a blip in time of their perception of me. And that like 20 minute video of me is not representative of me as a person, as a whole. Like I, I have 23, almost 24 years of my life under my belt and they know me for 20 minutes. That is a very small percentage and their perception of that because of their own life experiences or opinions or thoughts or beliefs, that comment exists out there, but nothing in my life has changed since I saw it. 
and nothing in my life would have changed if I didn't see it. And so kind of allowing myself to let that pass through me, it helps a lot. So for for someone who's in high school and, and there's someone really cute that they like, and that person's like, you're so annoying. You're so Mm -hmm. okay. Context. This person knows me. We've gone to school together for maybe Mm -hmm. 10 years. I really like them. I want them to like me. They're saying I'm so annoying. How would you process that? I guess now knowing what I know, I would have, well, of course, when I would was younger and in high school, I would have been like, my life is over. Like this is, I'm transferring (laughs) out. But now it's absolutely. But as a 23 year old, I think, why would I even want a friendship or a relationship with someone who doesn't, doesn't value me or sees me as annoying? I wouldn't even want, like, I would have probably sought out validation from that person, probably try to think, how can I become less annoying so that I am approved by them? But now I'm like, why would I even want someone like that in my life who sees me in that way? Because there is going to be millions of other people in this world who I have access to an opportunity with in the future who don't see me as annoying and are probably cuter and are probably less yeah. annoying themselves. So honestly, just respecting the way that you see yourself so that the perception of you is matches yeah. uh, your perception of yourself. Right. I find it annoying when people say I'm annoying, which makes you even more annoying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't really care enough. I like to do this. Um, see, some people say, I just don't care. Like, I don't mm-hmm. care. But I really think that people do care. Like, I think you're a very caring, emotional person. Right, Nicole? Yeah, I would say so. Right. I would agree. And I am a very caring person. But when someone offers me feedback that is hurtful, instead of saying, I don't care, I I will add, I don't care to spend my time thinking about this. Absolutely. Yes. And I think that little expression of like, spend my time thinking about it, it really allocates my time and energy and where I'm going to focus it in areas of my life where I have very little control. Absolutely. Knowing, knowing that I'm that I'm being my best. I like the four agreements. Do you know the four agreements? I don't know if you know the book, the four agreements. I've, I've seen the book. The book looks very pretty. It looks very nice on other people's yeah. like coffee tables. I have personally never read it. I think you dig it. It's cool. And there's a, um, um, and there's a great audio book and the four agreements are, uh, I always, I'm going to make sure, I'm going to see if I can just get it fresh. Okay. So one is don't take things personally. Okay. Mm-hmm. Two is do not make assumptions. All right. So so don't take things personally, which is what you're saying. Like, it's none of my business what people think about me, right? I don't mm-hmm. take it personally. Two is don't make assumptions. Three is be impeccable with your word. That's actually the first in, mm-hmm. in, the, in the agreements. But being impeccable with your word means really saying what you think and and being very clear uh, when you when you share your your thoughts and feelings, which which I've been really you know good at doing. It's it's scary because if you tell someone something, they might not like what you're sharing. But if you're impeccable with your word, you can back it up in a way where it's caring and kind. Yeah. I'm yeah. offering this feedback because I care about you. And Absolutely. You can have an honest exchange. And then the last one is to do your personal best. Mm-hmm. So if you do your personal best, even if it's not the best compared to everyone else, all you can do is be your personal best every day. And yeah, I love those four agreements because when I don't make assumptions, and I'm impeccable with my word and I do my best and I don't make assumptions. Did I say assumptions twice? When don't I don't make like, assumptions. There assumptions. Was an- don't make assumptions, be impeccable with your word, do your best and don't take things personally. 
Don't take me personally. Yeah. So like that is like, anyway, I love the four agreements, but they really match with what you're saying. So, so Nicole, you have been through a lot because when you are growing up on YouTube, essentially, you know, that's what you have been doing as someone who for the majority of your YouTube life and young adult life have been sharing insights into your life, right? You've been Mm -hmm. opening the world into your personal experiences. It's really, it's scary. Like, um, do people ever call you? I'm sure that people say like your physical appearance. Do you ever get comments about that? Absolutely. Of course. It comes to territory. Okay. So how do you process physical appearance comments that are critical? I think I've had to learn to have I've had to learn to like my own physical appearance. And now every, it kind of goes hand in hand with other things. It's like, whatever someone else thinks, it's not really my business. And it's like, it's like, I, I like the way I look and, and I, people, you know, I, I changed my hair and a lot of people were, had a lot of opinions on that and like, please do this and please do that. I'm like, I am not seeing these people every single day. And I like my hair and, and they're not sitting here doing my right. hair every morning. Um, and they're not, they're not putting money into my pockets. They're not, you know, building the roof over my head. They're not, it just doesn't, I feel like there's so many more things to criticize me for also. And there's so many other things to talk about. I feel like my physical appearance is like the least interesting thing to like critique. I'm like, all right, do better. Like if there's just so, so many other things to talk about and it feels like such an outdated um, topic. Cause I always like, Whatever I am trying, if I really don't like someone, I will never result to talking poorly about their physical appearance. If I really, I feel like when people resort to talking negatively about someone else's physical appearance, it doesn't even go so much as like not liking that person. I feel like it goes, it goes further. It goes like inward. It's like some, something about yourself is not correctly like all the way there because right. I, I don't, I just, I don't understand that. I, I'm, I, if someone deserves it and they're a mean, bad, nasty person yeah. and, and, you know, I can tell my friends like they're a mean, bad, nasty person. I'm not going to sit there and be like, and their haircut's stupid. And they're cause that's just the least interesting thing. Doesn't bother. It's, it's nice. You have that. I still, when people will comment on my ears, they'll be like, you're monkey ears or, you know, do you get like, you know, HBO on your ears or you know, like the people come on my ears and, um, there's a tinge of me that, that like, I get upset for a second because mm-hmm. I'm like, because when I was a kid, like people make fun of my weight, they make fun of my ears and, but then I get, then I'm okay. So it's like this, there's this one second where I'm like, what the, f-? and then I'm like, wait, you know, my ears separate me from the flat men of the world. You know, they're, they're, they're a gift. They're always going to remember you though, whenever you come up across like their for you page or anything else, like they will always remember that. Also them commenting that is further engagement for you. And so they, you are a memorable person, whether that's because of your ears or that's because of what you have to say or your, like whatever it may be. It's like to one person, it's like a negative attribute. And to someone else, it's like, oh my God, this is so cool because I might have big ears too. And this is so nice that I get to see someone like looking up to someone else who's like an author and a journalist and they look like me. That was something that happened where I'm like, hey, someone said something and it was like a little hurtful. And I was like, hey, you know, I'm at a point where, you know, I'm okay with, you know, I know people are going to comment, but you know, just when you, when you say things like that, that could hurt people's feelings. And um, the person's like, oh my gosh, I actually love your ears. And, you know, I, I actually was saying in a positive way, but because I had that feeling 
of like the past, mm-hmm. uh, I would shade it in a way where it was uncomfortable. But I, I think all of that, you know, the part about you and your confidence and your ability to persevere and to continue on, I think is really wonderful and something that, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people can, can look up to. Do you, do you look at yourself as a role model for, for anyone? For anyone? <laughs> <laughs> do I? Um, I guess if anything, now I would say I, I can see myself as a role model to younger girls and like teenage girls, if anything, mainly because they tell me that and not because I'm like, just like, I just right. feel it in my bones, but like, because I've been told that, um, and how there's girls who have gone similar things that I've gone through and, you know, may have similar goals as I do, or, you know, maybe struggling through college or struggling as like a first generation college right. student, or just all these different factors. I never thought that make me unique, but someone needs to look up to someone else. And I guess like for me showing the lowest points of my life, it's been cool because now that I'm able to show the higher points of my life, I can kind of show others in a similar position of people that, you know, are like me where I was a few years ago. It's like life can get significantly better. And I promise you, and if you just stick it out, it really can. And so I think that's like the biggest proponent that I am is like the whole, it gets better thing, but like uh, being a role model to others that it's not always going to be terrible and awful and sad and and really cryptic forever. Um, yeah. That's, I think it's hard to be uh, like 19 or 20 and to have all of these other girls, teen girls, and I'm, I'm sure, you know, guys too. And, and, and non-binary students and, and people and you know, people, all different all different gender identities um, look up to you and you to you're like struggling, like you're in it. It's like, you know, you're working through it. And I think there's a lot of power in leaning on that community as well, but it's also pretty scary because the thing about you, Nicole is like, you've done it. You've been there. You're an only child, right? You went to college, first generation student. You've been in relationships. How, how long have you been dating your significant other? It'll be six years this August. So did you, so six years, you're, you're, you've graduated, right? Which is amazing. Mm-hmm. You're self-employed. Is, is YouTube your full-time being a creator? Is this, this is your full-time job, correct? Yeah. Yep. Amazing. Self-employed. You have been very open with your mental health. You, you have your own place, right? You don't share a place with someone, right? Yeah. And yep. you've been dating the same dude for six years, right? Yeah, and, same dude. And you don't share, you, you're 23, but you don't live together, which no. is a lot more economical, but <laughs> right, you're not doing that. You, you continue to grow from 150 K in 2020 to 150 or to, to, to 500, what is it? Five, 566 K today subscribers. You, you love music. Um, you, um, also have changed your persona like what mm-hmm. you're putting out there. So you've been through a lot. So just to give everybody kind of this overview, it's a lot, right? Isn't that cool? Yeah. To hear? Yeah. It's, it's very, I like, I guess when you put it into other terms, I, I guess it's like in ways that I didn't even realize, like things have, have really changed and evolved. I'm very happy for all of them. You've been through so many changes and, and you're, you're a survivor. And, and just in terms of like, you just keep pushing through so let's just go like a little bit back. I want to do a little rewind. I also want to make sure I get into like the business of what you're doing because sure. I think there's a lot of people who are really interested in 
just how you can be an independent creator. But like going back to college, because you were talking about some of your lows, what was one of your lowest points and how did you get through it? Mm. My lowest point in college was definitely, it was literally a month after our our call. Um, okay. It was May of 2020. No, yeah, May of 2020. Okay. I found out that my mom had not one but two cancers. Um, and so I was literally in school and doing YouTube as like a full-time thing, juggling all that, and then became a full-time caregiver to her. And that was definitely like, the lowest point of my life, like absolutely. And everything's, you know, out on the other side now she's cancer free. She's doing great. Everything's awesome. But like in that moment, I was like, I'm going to have to stop school. I'm going to have to stop working. I'm going to have to stop everything. Like my whole world, it just came to like a halt. Um, and there was like no anticipating it at all. So how do you get through caring for a sick parent and also taking care of yourself? It was really hard. And and honestly, I think I could have done a better job at taking care of myself more in that time. But like, I really, really uh, struggled to find motivation some days to, to do my work. I mean, there were so many times that I would have to email my professors and be like, please just give me more time on my assignments. Like I just can't do it. Like there's just no way. Um, And so I had to start putting myself first in a lot of situations, like uh, big situations. Like I, backed out of uh, living with my two best friends for my senior year um, because I was like, I just have to stay home. And and this is not only for my mom, but this is also for myself because I know that this is going to be the best thing for me. Um, You know, I had to cut back on how often I was making videos, which was like my passion. And I felt like a failure for a while, but like truly realizing uh, that also my time matters, taking more time even for myself as much as I could during COVID and like living under my parents' roof. That was really difficult, but I made it a point. Like I would have these um, every Thursdays when my classes would end for the week. Like I, I had classes Monday through Thursdays online. Um, and every Thursday I promised myself, I was like, I'm going to go to this one vegan spot, like 30 minutes away. And I'm going to listen to one special little podcast. And I'm going to get myself a milkshake and one little special meal and sit in my car and eat it. And like, that was like the one thing I looked forward to every week. And it seems so like mundane, but it was like something and like a ritual that I looked forward to as my time every week. Um, and I, I look back at that time with a lot of fondness and a lot of like weird nostalgia because it's like, oh my God, this was such a terrible time in my life. But also like, I have this deep fondness now knowing that I'm out on the other side and being like, wow, those moments really did get me through, uh, you know, some of the hardest times in, in my life, just like even the the very small little things. But um, it, I had to put myself first a lot uh, in those situations. Cause if not, you're just going to lose yourself, like trying to balance both taking care of yourself and especially your parent. Yeah. I just think it's so, it's gotta be so emotional and so hard and absolutely thank, thank goodness that your mom came through and yeah. not everyone's so lucky to, yeah. that to still have their, their parent to, in their, yeah. so you got through that, you ended up going through that senior year and you were at home and then what was your, tell, tell me about your, your like highest moment um, mm. like your best moment, maybe not highest moment. Cause I don't, I'm you know sobriety, but like your, um, your highest sober, your highest sober moment. In college. 
Oh my God. I loved being an RA in college. I loved it so much. My first year being an RA, my sophomore year, I really loved that time in my life because it was like, first of all, the most social I've ever been in my entire life. And it was like, I was an RA to people. I was an RA to freshmen, but to a lot of them, I was the same age as them just because my birthday is at a weird time in September. So I was literally like 19 and 20 during that time. No, I was like 18, 19 during that time with a lot of other like 18, 19 year olds. Um, and even one that was like 40, but anyway, that's a different story. But, uh, I was just an RA to like people, my own age. And it was just like this really cool community that I got to curate myself. And like, we became really close and I'm still in contact with so many people. Like I was driving in Philly the other day and I was like, Rachel, what the heck would you live here? And she was like one of my residents. And it was just such a cool time that I was like independent living in my own room. And I got to start my YouTube channel and that felt like such a high in my life. And that was the highest I've ever been with as an RA. Nice. And then to be an RA, the benefits, did you get free room and board? I did. That's like, that's like 10 grand, 15 grand benefit, right? Yeah. It's so much money. Yeah. That's huge. It's huge. And then, um, to become an RA, uh, Mm -hmm. was was it a hard job to get? It definitely was hard because you get rejected pretty easily because they're going through hundreds of applications, but ultimately, uh, I was really scared for the interview. I do really, I I used to do at least really poorly in, in type of like, I black out when it's kind of like just one-on-one. And now I'm obviously more used to one-on-one conversations and I'm okay with it. But like back then that was so nerving to just sit there with another person, like tell them about my life. Like I remember I like lied in my interview, not about anything serious, but they told me to tell them about like a, a experience in my life where I like experienced uh, disappointment and how I like got through it. And I completely created a fake scenario because I didn't know what to say in that moment. And like, I just blurted something out on the spot. And it was the stupidest thing ever. And I was like, oh, remember what stupid, it was? You made up. Yeah. I like lie that like my mom, like didn't want to hang out with me or something that like we had plans for dinner and then that she canceled or whatever. And I'm like, that would never happen because my mom and I would never have plans for dinner because my mom is the last person to make plans ever. Like we are a spur of the moment type of people. We don't have plans. I was like, that is a big lie. I was like, whatever, this is so stupid. I'm not going to get hired, but then I did. So So the lesson is to, to lie. Yeah. I'm yeah. That's a good lesson. (laughs) This is why you're you're a role model to so many young women because of, yeah. no, you, you obviously you're genuine. You want to help. And the lesson is not to, to lie because you like <laughs> to do the interview and whatever comes out of your mouth, you just say, I practice, I'm practicing. Cause all this stuff Absolutely. is practice, right. It's like, it you're, is. you're 19, you're 18, whatever it's yeah. practice. You do your best. So then, um, for anyone who's going to college, let me just ask you this. Well, RAs, resident assistants are the people on your floor who help you, you know, and imagine if you had Nicole as your RA, that'd be so cool. I bet you were really easy to talk to. And I hope. Oh yeah, I'm sure. If somebody has a problem and they're uncomfortable and, uh, you know, they want to approach their RA, what's your advice to, to this, to this person? Do it because you're paying. First of all, let's look at the logistics side of it and then I'll get into the emotional side of it. Logistics side, do it. You're paying so much for room and board. This is literally part of the package deal that you get to talk to someone. Take advantage of it. Take advantage of every last dollar of all the money that you're putting into college. Take advantage of it all. Every single rec center, every single 
meal that they give you every right. single, whatever it may be, talk to every single person so that every single one of your dollars is worth it. That person is there to talk to you. Second of all, from an emotional side, um, they likely want to be there because m- almost 99% of the RAs that I work with genuinely loved and cared for their residents. And okay, maybe not loved, but like, you know what I mean? Like right. they genuinely had a strong care that they wanted to do this job because of course, yeah, free room and board is very nice, but you also need to remember it's technically an unpaid job because, you know, you are getting compensated, but you have to really like what you're doing in order to do that for pretty much like no compensation for the whole year, like being an on-call person uh, all the time for, for students. Um, and the people who did it, had this love and care and wanted to do that genuinely and had a real passion for it. And I don't know anyone like while I was working with them, that was like, I don't care about them. Like they're stupid. Who cares? Like people, that's not the situation at at least with the people that I worked with. That was not it at all. Everyone genuinely gave a shit. Um, And so that's what they're there for. They want to help you. And so you should, you should do that. Should take advantage of it. So talk to your RAs. Right. I I think that's a, a tricky place, a place because a lot of people are uncomfortable and they're like, you know, I don't want to burden someone with my problems. And yeah, like that's their job, right? You, you love people's problems. Yeah, absolutely. And also it's like, if you can't necessarily help them with that specific issue, it's someone to talk to, and then they can refer you to the next person. Like I didn't have the answer to all of the things that like, you know, people came to me for, but then I had resources that I could refer them to that did help them. Um, and so I was basically just kind of like this gateway. I was this gateway drug. I was like this gateway into like all these other resources and, and help. And sometimes it was an immediate help. Sometimes it was advice. Sometimes it was just an ear to listen to. Sometimes it was like, here's the office that you need to go to to get this taken care of. But regardless of what it was, um, it felt good to help people who were the same age as me. And I was like, I, I, I'm literally trained in this and I, you know, did the summer training for this and whatever, and I'm getting compensated for this. I want to help you because I was in a similar position as you when I was literally a year ago. Right. Perfect. So you are, you are that person who's mm-hmm. in people's corner. So, uh, I know mental health is a big issue like, um, mm-hmm. that you've talked about, like, what are your publicly, and I know you're doing less lifestyle, uh, videos, but you have a whole archive that can give people, a really good sense of you. And and we're going to link to some videos that you shared with us. One of them talks about OCD and and other. So, so give us a rundown of your, are you comfortable giving us a rundown of like your mental health uh, challenges? Cause I I think it's important for people to to be okay with this. Absolutely. Uh, The top ones that I struggle with are OCD and PTSD. And that is like what I am in active therapy for. I'm in an exposure therapy. So it's nice and intense and it's something I never thought I would do, but here I am and I'm on medication for it. And this is literally something that when I talked to you last, I had no idea I had it. Zero, no clue. So yeah, no idea. I found out 2021 that I, in the summer that I, I just got diagnosed then. So this is like still relatively new to me, but I've been taking the last two years very seriously and how I'm treating myself and like the work that I'm putting into it. So I had no idea. How did you get to a place where you were even open to exploring 
some of the challenges that you're facing? Because I think a lot of people struggle with that. Yeah. Uh, I, I always knew like growing up, like Nicole has anxiety and Nicole has pretty bad anxiety. Nicole, you know, has some things that she just can't tolerate or certain situations that she gets really, really affected by that most people don't, or Nicole cannot get over certain situations like other people can. Um, and so it was just always this like quirk. And this thing that I also used in my videos is kind of like a personality and like this thing that I was like poking fun at a lot because it was just, it was just this thing. It was just me. And that's why a lot of people actually don't know that they have OCD um, is because a lot of times people are just taught that these attributes are just part of them because they've had them for so many years. It's not like it, like every single time that you have an OCD symptom that it's like a rare, like a red glaring, like sign in your brain. That's like, this is OCD. It just, it becomes a part of you because you're so used to it. Um, And so I knew something was up and, you know, my family really could see how it, it really got worse and exasperated with COVID and my mom being sick and, uh, you give being us an at, example of like, what is, what is it getting worse? Like, what was your behavior? So one of the worst things, one of the hardest things was, was that I, with OCD, I have a really, it, it's a lot better now, but I had a huge paranoia at all times that I was pregnant and that I did not know it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had, it was the strangest thing. And I couldn't talk to anyone about it because no one like, that's just such a, like a strange thing. And I'm like, I don't know why I'm like obsessing over this, but like it started off when I was a kid and I watched this show called, I didn't know I was pregnant. Um, and it was on TLC and they would like do reenactments of like these people who are nine months pregnant and had no idea. And then they would go to the toilet in the middle of the night. And then suddenly they're giving birth. And that became my biggest fear, but not something whenever it was like, it wasn't normal to talk about because everyone in my life was like, I can't wait to have a baby. I can't wait to be older and have kids. Or some of my friends did start having kids. And I was like, oh, I really, this is not like a comfortable place for me to talk about this. And then also like my mom was very sick. Now understanding, I was like, I don't know why it's getting bad now that my mom has cancer. But the reason was, was because I was under such high stress. And so I'd be sneaking out of the house and getting pregnancy tests there was literally zero chance that I was pregnant. I was deep into quarantine, but there was still a massive fear of mine. And then I'm bloated. I have stomach issues. Uh, I automatically think I'm pregnant. And so I couldn't talk about this with my mom. I couldn't talk about this with my friends. There was no one that I could turn to. And it became so, so bad and severe that I was like, something is telling me that this isn't entirely normal with the way I just don't hear anyone else talking about it like this. And I had to like, block words on like social media, like the word period or pregnancy or anything like that. Um, and I had no idea why, and it was affecting my, my every waking moment. Um, and I went to therapy. I didn't know what I was going to therapy for. I just chose a therapist that was really close to my house. Like when I could literally walk to, um, and I started going and I was like, I guess I'm here. Cause my mom had cancer and like COVID's hard. And I guess I have anxiety And then I waited, um, I I went to my second session. I also didn't really know what else to say. And then there came this day that I I remember it very clearly. I spent it all day alone and my parents were out of town and keep in mind, things were better. Things were already resolved. My mom was no longer sick. COVID was starting to get better, but I still was not doing well. And I started writing down one day, every single 
negative emotion that I felt like during that day and what I was thinking and feeling along with that. And I like had this whole day, I went to Staples and I like came home and watched a documentary. And then before you know it, it's like midnight and I'm tearing my room apart, trying to get rid of all my furniture. First of all, like I am just, I'm calling my mom because she's out of town and I'm like, I'm selling the bed. I'm selling the desk, the bed, every, I'm just getting rid of all of it. And she's like, what is going on? And it doesn't seem like it's harmful necessarily because it's not like I'm out here being like, I'm going to hurt myself or, you know, I'm going to hurt someone else, but it's these drastic things that I would do to try and make myself feel better. And I didn't understand because I didn't understand what the problem was. I didn't understand why I was doing these weird things to try and resolve it. Um, And so that was my way of coping was to try and get rid of of things when I was like emotionally stressed and, and there's, there's so much to it. There's so much more to it, but essentially that's at that moment, I was like, I think I have something to actually talk about in therapy this week. And so I came in with a list of everything and I was like, yeah, so the day started like this. And then I got really scared that I was pregnant all of a sudden. And then before I knew it, I was trying to rip apart all my furniture and get rid of it. Um, and she's like, we're going to get you an OCD test. And then I went through testing for the next several weeks. And she's like, absolutely. When you were going through the pregnancy scares, there were times where you were never with your partner, right? Like long periods of time where it would have been, it would have had to have been like a religious experience, correct? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Like there was no possibility, but yet in your brain, you were still like, could I be pregnant? Yes. 100%. Okay. Cause I just, because that's, you know, clearly your, you know, how things work. Yes. Like, you know, right. Okay. Let's just, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Cause when you were a teenager watching that show, you might not have known, but like that, that's, yes. that's a pretty clear sign that my brain and my body are not quite connected. There's some, there's yeah. a disconnect here. Right. Absolutely. And if there are other videos, you know, one thing I want to do in these show notes is really give you a chance to like share some of those videos that really resonate that you think could help other people to, to manage. I know we've done that and we'll include Nicole's videos and Nicole, in addition to being an RA in college and uh, all these wonder first generation students, she is a uh, YouTube creator. Do you like creator personality? What do you like? Yeah, creator's cool. YouTube creator, you know, closing in on, on 560 plus thousand followers and our subscribers and continues to, to create really, you know, compelling content and, and went from college to beyond college using her YouTube platform and experiences as a way to, to be a, a self-employed person, which is amazing. So um, helping to understand going from college to career. So as a YouTube creator and as someone, what's your degree in from Temple? I have a degree in Bachelor of Arts in Media Studies and Production. Nice. Okay. So your so your college experience, you have your college degree and then now graduating and deciding that you're going to continue to do this. Tell me about that process of being a junior and a senior having this this YouTube career and then deciding this is what you wanted to do full time. Uh, was that an easy decision? What was involved with that decision-making? Ooh, uh, it, it was a dream 
it was a pipe dream. It was one that I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do it, but it would be great if I could. That'd be awesome. Um, and then I, the moment in which I felt like I could really do it and I was like, I have to put my mind to it was when I had a video that did very well and got over 2 million views. And in that moment, when I saw that it was when I hit 100,000 subscribers, like it, everything shot up and grew so quickly. I was like, I need to ride the wave of the momentum. And I need to, I, I remember sitting down with my friends and telling them, you guys are going to think I'm crazy because I'm making one video a week while we're in school and I'm an RA and we're doing all this. One week, one video a week is a lot. I'm going to do two. And everyone's mm -hmm. like, oh, you're so stupid, Nicole. You can't do that. You can't do that. And I was like, hear me out. I was like, I really think if I really put my mind to it, put a lot of work and effort into this. I think I can make this work and make it happen. And I'm so grateful that I did because exactly a year later, I was able to financially stand on my feet on my own. And with everything, it became a full-time career before I even graduated. Um, and so I knew what my goals were when I was leaving school. I knew that this was what I was going to do, but I needed to nurture it and care for it in the process of me uh, graduating, which and sometimes I don't recommend this for everyone, but sometimes that meant putting more work and effort into my job than it meant in school, which like my mom didn't like that, but it paid off because that's the whole point. Also, when you're in like in college is to get an education and hopefully be able to do something with that. And a lot of my professors, luckily, were very understanding of that because I was lucky enough that my career was in media studies and production. Like, quite literally, that's what I was doing. So I was lucky that I was like, OK, I have work to show for this. I This is serious. I am taking this very seriously. And sometimes that means that I'm going to put a little bit more effort into the video that I'm going to make for my channel than it is for the video that I'm going to make for class. But I'm also a senior and I'm able to do that. Like this was, you know, I had the credits, I had all the, you know, whatever. So it was kind of like reassessing where my priorities were towards the end. But I think a lot of people would do that as well if they had like a normal office job that they got hired in, you know, maybe part time while they're still in college. And they're like, this will be your full time when you're out of college. Of course, you're going to put in the work into that career because that's what you're going to stick around with forever. Um, and it happens for some people, not a lot, but it definitely happens. Um, and I think that that definitely was uh, was very important for me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting because you continued to complete your degree. I mean, your, your channel was already booming and you were generating revenue. And then was there ever a point where you're like, uh, as a junior, I'll just, I'm just going to check out and just go full-time now, or was earning that degree something that was a really important benchmark for you? Definitely would say that in moments of frustration, when I'm like still at the library at like 2 a.m. writing an essay, or when I'm like taking, studying for an exam that I know nothing about, or like telling my mom, I'm like, I think I'm just going to end here. She was like, absolutely not. We cannot do that. Like you're so close to the end. And then I thought about how, how much cooler it would sound if, if it was like YouTuber with a degree, then YouTuber with like almost a degree. And I was like, oh, fine. Like I also put a lot of money into this, kind of have to finish it out. And so um, I was lucky that I got to take, I kind of got the best of both worlds. I took community college classes in the summer leading into my senior year to finish out some credits that were just like little and small um, because I was like, this is a whole lot. It's a lot cheaper to pay $800 out of pocket for a couple of community college classes than it is to pay for a whole semester at a big university. Um, and so I got to do that and I graduated a semester early. 
So it kind of like completed the best of both worlds where I was like, I'm done early and I get to do my full-time job even sooner, but also I I finished. So that's amazing. So going from college to being a independent adult, what has been some of the, what would have been some of the big struggles for you? Have there been any struggles or has it been a seamless transition? I mean, definitely not seamless. It's definitely like a learning thing. I've been very lucky that from the financial end of things that that's been a very great constant like that has been, but I've also been like taught luckily from an early age, how to save money. And I was very lucky that, you know, I wasn't in debt with school and that I was able to pay off and FAFSA was on my side. And so there was like multiple factors that like definitely put me on a pedestal for success. Like there were setbacks that I didn't have luckily that a lot of other people do have. So I think honestly, it was a lot of privilege and luck that kind of got me to where I was, but uh, the transit, I, I really genuinely outside of like financials or yeah. like true real struggles from the transition of, of being in school to adulthood is time management and like being my working for myself has been and working from home. Yeah. It's still it's been years now and I still uh, don't have it down to a science. I'm getting there. I'm getting better at it. But I. I really struggled when I had the lack of structure that I did with school. Like in school, I knew where I was in, you know, my classes and stuff and, yeah. you know, what time I had to be somewhere and what, what day this was due. And now it's like, it's all on me and it's all on me of how far it goes. And it's all on me on when it ends. And that's, that, that can be really hard. So as a YouTube creator, how many hours would you say you spend a week working? I would say... Nowadays, I would say about 30, 30 hours a week. So it's full-time. So that's 30 is full-time, but you can do 30. And then when it comes to your, I, I don't think I've seen you do like a revenue video. You know, some no. people like, how much I've earned on, you know. Yeah. So you haven't done one of those, right? No, just because it's not that I, I, a lot of my audience is also younger. And and sometimes, you know, I, I think a lot of people have good faith when they do like revenue videos or when they talk about like what I spent in a week and stuff like that. Yeah. But also I remember how I would feel as like a struggling 17 year old in college who like does not like my only income was working at Chipotle and seeing like someone just a few years older than me being like, this is my life as a YouTuber and what I spend in a week. Like I I remember how much that would really drive me up the wall and make me think I'm doing something wrong. And I'm like, ultimately I am kind of like an outlier living a life that I never imagined for myself and that not a lot of people get to make. And I don't want to make it seem realistic. I'm not out here. I'm very frugal with my money, but I also don't want to make it seem like uh, this is the norm either. Yeah. So in terms of just like a general ballpark, I don't know if you're comfortable offering that just so someone could get an idea of, you know, a, a new grad who's out of college, you know, whatever their, their starting mm-hmm. salary would be um, in terms of you as a creator, uh, you know, I want to approach this in a way where I'm not asking you, like, tell me how much you make, but like, you know, is there a range? What's the best way to do this? And and you don't have to share it at all, but I just, I just want to understand. I'll say it's above a hundred thousand, but below 300,000 for the work that I'm doing now. Right. And do you have any employees? No. Well, I have a manager uh, and I have 
someone who edits for me, but they're not like full time. Right. It's, it's, it's they, they work with me, but I, they're not, they're not sitting in my house and editing. Right. Almost, so like you, know? you have no one on your payroll. You just, you just like work for hire. Like you have an editor and then yes. you work with your manager and, and I, I would assume, you know, things have grown like dramatically. Nicole, it's amazing to see. I'm so excited for you. It's, it's, Thank it's you. wonderful. So you're up to, you know, half a million more than that subscribers. So what is, what is your goal in the next five years in terms mm-hmm. of your personal brand, in terms of your career? Do you, do you have some, some goals, a vision of what you see things, what you see happening? I would love it if I could take it. I, I, I will always love YouTube and I will always want to like, that's my bread and butter and I want to stay there, but I would love for it to take me to new opportunities. I would love to be able to interview, especially um, music artists or go to concerts. And that's like, that's like my space. I love being around pop culture. I love yeah. being around music. And, and I think some way being able to offer some sort of like creative side to it, whether that's yeah. like filming or creating some sort of piece for that, or whether yeah. that's interviewing or, you know, I, I feel like oftentimes I love watching interviews for, for artists. Like, I think it's so cool, but sometimes I'm like, these are the stupidest questions ever. Like there's so many better things. And like, I think we need more fangirls to be asking the questions of these artists because they're the ones who have the good questions. Um, and so I would love to somehow play a part in that and uh, just continue kind of what I'm doing on the internet right now, but kind of take it off yeah. of YouTube and off screen and somehow do something with that. Um, and so the world is kind of my oyster. So it's exciting. So the interviewing artists, like that seems pretty straightforward. Like, you know, you have your podcast, but you know, why can't you do your like emerging artists or your artists who haven't quite broken yet? Like, have you thought about doing that? Are you going to do that? Yeah. It's not that I haven't. And I definitely think it's interesting, but I think it's also very interesting. I did a whole video recently about, um, fandoms and how fangirls kind of, you know, fangirls should be taken more seriously and how they are the ones who build this industry. And I think there's so many things that I'm personally a fan of. And I obviously it's not like I there's no way to have a career of just solely like working with only the people that you are very huge fans of or anything like that. But I also like wish there was more genuineness within the industry of like the people who are actually loving this thing or are working on this thing. And, and uh, I think, I mean, I feel like that's definitely a great place to start, but I, I feel like I have the potential or the, I can see myself doing it with artists who I one day would have been like, I could never imagine, or like, they're an artist, like that's like behind me or whatever, like, yeah. except Prince, cause he's, you know, dead, but like, you know, yeah, um, be Prince. but you know, it's so cool. I have, I have an idea. You open to ideas. You could take yeah, all the ideas. I love, I love ideas. This is so fun because you're, you're so interesting and I love how you've made a shift and I keep mentioning it. There's a video that talks about the shift. So I don't need to have you talk about it. Cause there's, there's videos that talk about a lot of these things. So, um, you know, now that you're not as much talking about you and your life and your lifestyle and all the things in your daily life, like, I love the idea of, of doing like a critique show or even like you having your top artists of the week, you know, like commentary where, you know, that thing could grow. It could be on your channel. It could be a feature. It could also evolve to its own channel, but people love music so much. 
but it would be so cool. And everybody has videos. Like a lot of people have music mm-hmm. videos. So like the idea of you critiquing, I was thinking like, you look very MTV. I'm a little, you know, older, obviously a lot older, but like you got like an MTV thing, like almost bringing back like the music video, but mm-hmm. like you being able to curate the music videos of some of these amazing artists or one of their most recent, one of their most recent performances and you being able to then share it and then really talk about why you love it and what it reminds you of with yeah. the understanding, like, you know, these people are probably going to see it and eventually you can talk to them. But before you even talk to them, just curating and sharing almost like you did. I know that you did a book reading the other day, yeah, uh, which is so cool. Like you're experimenting, but I just love the idea of like you and your friend watching like a particular video of music and just being like, yeah. why do you love it so much and what it reminds you of and having your playlist that goes along with it. Yeah. That's crazy because as a kid before, like before I would go to school, like elementary school, I would have MTV up on the screen and I would sit there like with my little bowl of cereal and I would just watch music videos religiously. And when I, you know, Kate, like when YouTube started to become a thing, I would just go home and watch music videos all day long. I love it. And I feel like artists need to take music videos and realize that there's an audience for it still. And it's me. And even if no one else will watch it, I will, I will always love to watch it. Yeah. Well, you can watch it, but what's also so cool. Cause there's a few people I follow on social and like Instagram will come into my feed and, and I'll be like, or on TikTok, and, and I'll, and I'll see someone you know, doing an original song. I mean, like Jax has very become very pop culture, but like there are so many people who are alternative and on different different genres. And and the idea that you like who you follow and why you follow them and then showing them like singing in their bathroom mm-hmm. and being like, because that is a music video. Like this yeah. is a modern day, like like you can be a VJ, like yeah. a modern day VJ and um video jockey. For those who want to know, like VJ, it was like DJ, like a disc jockey, but like they were the VJs and that would be so cool. And, and, um, you know, that love of music, I I know people, so many people love music. So anyway, that'd be cool. I'd I'd love to share that. So, um, whatever, whatever you do, um, it's exciting to know that you can do that. Um, I do have a couple more questions. You've been so generous with your time. It's, it's fun to talk to you. I mean, like we could just talk for hours. I know it's very easy. Uh, this whole boyfriend business. Okay. <laughs> so like there's six years, you've had a long distance relationship, right? Like you, yeah. and, and I, and I've talked about people ask me questions. You know, should I do a long distance? Should I do, you know, you, you've been in this relationship for six years. You don't live together. So, mm-hmm. and you don't really talk about your boyfriend a lot in your videos. Like your relationship is kind of like, it belongs to you. So again, yeah. I want to like be really respectful of that part of your life. But you're like, no, you don't have to. Oh, good. No, like I, I'm like cool with it. Like when I want to talk about it, I do. But like when it comes to like making content about it, like like yeah. videos or anything, I'm like, oh, there's so much more cool and interesting things about yeah. me. Like I'm like, I'm my boyfriend. Well, six years is a big chunk of time. And you yeah. know, so you're you said you're 23. So you started yeah. you're 17 pretty much, mm-hmm. like grown up with this dude. And um, and like what's been the secret? Like, wh- why have you stayed together? What what has made this relationship worthwhile? I think we've both really done a good job at allowing each other to change and to grow as people and to allow each other to explore that and that it doesn't always necessarily have to involve one another. Like we have just done, there's been so many changes in our lives. I'm a completely different person than when I was 17 and he's a completely different person from when he was a 17. Um, But we're just kind of 
I'm kind of like his cheerleader from, you know, Philly. And he's kind of like my cheerleader from Boston. And we're just kind of rooting for each other and just showing and supporting in any way that we can, even if it's from a distance. Yeah. Um, and I think that ultimately helps. We have very different interests. He's a mechanical engineer. I, you know, I've been with him for so many years and and I, I've been with him for such a long time and I try and pick up as much as I can about mechanical engineering and knowing what he does. I know it enough to be able to explain to someone what he does. I don't understand all of it, but if he's really interested in something, I want him to show me and I want him to make it cool. And, uh, you know, and same thing with me making videos. He helps me a lot of times with the editing of my videos or scripting, not necessarily just, but me showing him and me being like, do you think that this is good? Do you think that this is entertaining? Do you think that this is something that you would sit down and watch and him giving me an honest, genuine answer um and so our interests as people are very different but they definitely come together when it's like work aside um but we are very good at supporting each other regardless of what it is and showing interest in that um and you know there will be times where it'll cross paths like for example i have made him a video before for his graduation his graduation didn't really go as planned um they didn't show his name or anything like they didn't they like messed up like the mechanical engineering school like just kind of like fucked up and like forgot to like put in a whole list of people's names and what they did and everything and so I put one together and like a really quick amount of time and he's like that's so cool that you're literally a video creator and you made that for me and that's like a special thing for us and then him and his friend are working on this uh, program to like help me edit my videos down in a faster way. It's not AI, but it's like a way to cut down the videos whenever there's like gaps and silences and stuff to kind of help me edit a little bit faster. And so that's, you know, an engineering thing. And so it's, you know, we get to cross paths and we, we definitely FaceTime more than text and we make time for each other. And it just, it doesn't seem like it's, it's, it's work that goes put into it, but it doesn't seem like it's like, I'm not out here like, oh, this is so hard. This right. is hard work. So he's he's in Boston. Yes. He's moving to New York City, though, because his job is there. So we'll be much closer. Nice. So that's interesting. It's been six years. The jealousy part, like, do you, mm-hmm. did you ever get jealous? Did he ever get jealous? I feel like that was a thing in the beginning of their relationship. Like when other guys would, you know, like say something to me or if another girl was like really flirty with him, I'm like, what? the heck but like now knowing him I'm like this is now a thing that we can tell each other and it's funny or yeah. we can joke about this but at the end of the day I trust him and I know he is not very smooth with the girls <laughs> and, and and he knows I also have like my strong fear of men is deterring me from other men and so it's it's going well so honestly it's it's good any advice for anyone considering a long distance relationship yeah, um definitely like make plan make a make a way to speak to each other that works for you guys. And don't take advice from like other people, which you're probably doing right now by by listening to this advice. Yeah. But but you know, everyone was telling me like, oh, you guys, you guys don't do X, Y, or Z, or you guys don't see each other this amount of time, or you guys don't it was these very specific things that other people had input in on our relationship. And I'm like, this works for us. And so in the beginning we would have like uh, with our schedules, we would have certain days of the week. We would eat lunch together on FaceTime and it was like our little thing. Um, And now honestly, like we don't really text, which some people are like you and your boyfriend don't text. I'm like, we FaceTime when we get the chance. And to some people it may seem like excessive FaceTiming, but like I'll be cooking dinner and he's cooking dinner and we can just FaceTime together and it, and it works. It just, it just works because it's, 
it's a shared experience um, while trying to also not be codependent on one another and being an independent person. That's, that's also advice that I would give is like not forgetting who you are as a person because relationships, especially when you're young, it's very easy to fall into codependency. Um, And so honestly, I'm a supporter of long distance relationships because it has helped me be an independent person and not, uh, I, I always think about how, you know, maybe my life would have been different if we had went to the same school or we were close together. But sometimes I also ask myself, would we have still been together? Like, would we have even made it through if we were together and up each other's asses all the time? Yeah. If, are you a five love languages person? I, I like know of it. And like, I, I think, I think mine is, I like, um, quality time and right. words of affirmation. Yeah. Yeah. And five love languages is great. I encourage anyone who's going into a long distance relationship because yeah. it's really important to align. Like if you're dedicated time and you are able to have that time. And I was thinking that when you were saying you would have lunch together and that lunch was really important because the way you receive love is through dedicated time. And yeah. there are five love languages. People could check those out um, by Gary Chapman. It's a wonderful book. And the love languages are touch, dedicated time, uh, words of affirmation, uh, acts of service and, um, and, um, gifts. There yeah. we go. Boom. I was able to get the five that, wow. That's <laughs> so, um, so right. The dedicated time. So that's great. And then to kind of wrap, we've talked about so many wonderful things or interesting things. Some of them weren't so wonderful at the time, but are wonderful now. So in terms of mental health, in terms of, so you continue to have therapy because therapy is something that I'm, I continue to have therapy yeah. and, and that's helping you. And then through medication, working on the OCD. So you feel, you feel balanced there. And uh, when it comes to getting therapy, anyone who's like, you know, I don't need therapy or I'm afraid to get therapy. What do you say to someone about that? I know a lot of people in my life who are like, have a million and one excuses as to why they don't want to do therapy or why it, it just wouldn't work for them. Or, oh, I don't really like talking about my problems. And I think what people fail to recognize is that, you know, there's so many different types of therapy and that there's not one way does not work for everyone. And that's the great thing about therapy. I encourage others to look into different types of therapy that may help for them. I had no idea. I thought it was just one, like, which is the classic, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy where you just talk, which can be great for some people, but a lot of people with OCD actually find that it can make their OCD worse because you're just getting a lot of reassurance and it's not really kind of combating that, which uh, was kind of what happened to me, which I, I found a great therapist now who. I'm not getting any reassurance in my therapy and it sounds terrible. It sounds like, how could you possibly go through that? Like that just sounds so difficult that someone like, I'm like, I'm scared. My mom's going to die. And my therapist is like, well, your mom is going to die one day and who knows it could be tomorrow. And like, it just, you have to get comfortable with that. And it seems like if, if that was like the proponent to me, like in the beginning, like how, the, the, the insight into what therapy looked like, I wouldn't have wanted to do it. But the great thing is that there's so many different types for different people. And there might be something that you need to work through that you even have no idea about. And it's crazy to look at your life, how it was prior to therapy. And when you're trying to like deal with things on your own and your own like little twisted ways that maybe weren't the most healthy for you and how much it can really help to have someone else to either just listen or to help give you new strategies. And like I said, Everyone is so different and there's so many different styles and I recommend looking into it. Like there's 
ERP therapy, exposure, CBT. What's the exposure? You said you're also doing exposure therapy. Yeah. So exposure, it's basically, it's a, it's exposure response prevention. So mm-hmm. it's basically like, for example, I would talk about my pregnancy OCD. And uh, one of the things that my therapist may have me do that week is walk by a school with children and be comfortable with that. Normally, that is something that I would go out of my way to not do, but that like little goals for myself or, for example, um, being comfortable or or another example, I guess, for some people, it would be uh, to not take if you're taking like 10 pregnancy tests a week. this week you can only take five and the goal is to eventually get down to like way less but the whole point of it is 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 different types of uh strategies and kind of goals for yourself it's almost like i have homework every week of something new to bring myself sometimes my goal for that week was like look a man in the eye like on the way to the gym like everything like every single man that i could or look one man in the eye one week it was uh start a small argument with a man uh but just like a a small one to basically retrain your brain into realizing that not everything is always a threat sometimes things can be and sometimes bad bad results may happen but if you train your brain to see that in most instances there's not uh it, it does wonders for the brain and it really like our, our brains are just malleable little things and yeah. sponges. That's, I, I like that idea that my brain is not me. Like my brain is this, yeah. is this organ that sits underneath this hard thing. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm, I'm not, I'm in charge of this brain. Yeah. You know, like it's just, it's just this thing and we can retrain it and we can work with it. And I, I love, I love that idea of it being kind of the operating system, but we can reprogram it. We're the programmers, that thing, that essence of who we are. Like we, we are the ones that we have to recognize mm-hmm. that we have the ability as opposed to this brain controlling us. And, uh, it's a hard thing to do. And, uh, I think you're, you're doing a wonderful job in real time of just showing this and sharing it. And it's, it's a real gift. So I'm, I'm grateful for you and for everything you've shared. Is there anything else that you wanted to wrap up or acknowledge? Just, uh, I always give everyone I talk to just a moment to just be like, Oh, if there's something I should have, I would have said that a little differently or, you know. Ooh, I think, I think my one advice, if there's any like college students listening to this and like, like, or going into college, um, I, I think for me, one of my problems, not, maybe not problems, but was that I felt like I couldn't reinvent myself. Once I went to college, I was like, oh, I kind of have to still stay being the same person and stay with the same friend group. Like we talked about earlier, like still staying with these people and these constants. And the sooner that you get acclimated to potential change and, and letting go of kind of like the fear of the unknown and getting comfortable with the possibility of change, not even necessarily getting comfortable with change, but the possibility of it. I think that's going to open a lot of doors for you. I I struggle a lot with, you know, not having the answers laid out in front of me. I I used to struggle a lot with not knowing like if these people were going to stay in my life or what I was going to do or what, like I, I needed control over everything in my life, which I'm working through in therapy. But the sooner that I, I wish that I got, used to the fact that my life was going to keep changing. And that was an exciting thing and not necessarily a bad or negative thing. Um, and I still feel like me years later, I, I didn't like lose myself and I'm not like, Oh, I wish I was the old Nicole still. Like I, I really feel 
um, excited. And like, I used to be so wary and sad about me getting older. And I was like, now I'm excited to, to get older because there's, it just seems to be keep getting more exciting and better as the years go by. Why wouldn't I want to continue experiencing that? And so, um, yeah, the best is yet to come. I love it. I love when you, I love this idea of if we allow something to happen, something's going to happen. Yeah. You know, it's like something's going to happen and it's going to be either what you want or it's not going to be what you want, but it's going to be yeah. something. And eventually, it's something. Right. It's something's interesting. Like, even if it's yeah. not what you want, it's like, it's something. And those experiences that we have that we don't always want to experience, they teach us, you know, those, those unexpected or unwanted changes are the best teachers and then there's all of these other wonderful outcomes and it's fun to watch you and it will be fun to, we have to do this every, you know, we could do it more than every couple of years, but yeah. So like 2023, that's where we are now. So at the, at the latest, we'll do this again in 2026. Okay. Cool. And then um, I hope it's cool. Also, like I have a bunch of questions just in terms of like my growth and, you know, there's, there's so many new things that I'm experiencing Absolutely. and um you know, I'm excited to do that. And you know, kind of coming full circle of like, I used to be this off-road kind of guy who wanted to do it my way. But now I've recognized that when there are people who have paved a path and have figured out ways to do things that are really remarkable, um, I've become much more collaborative and much more open mm -hmm. in, in seeking help. And, uh, I, I think it's fun to watch you and I hope it's cool if I, if I reach out yeah. to you. Well. Hell yeah, do it. So for anyone who wants to follow you, who wants to stay in touch and wants to learn more about you, what's the best way for people to stay yeah. in touch? I'm Nicole Raffi everywhere. That's R-A-F-I-E-E. -E, and then Nikki Nasty on TikTok. All right. And we'll keep, we'll give you links to lots of videos in the cool. show. And uh, everybody will stay in touch. And Nicole, you're just, so, thank you for being you. Thank you. I appreciate this so much. I was so excited for it. And I'm so happy this, that we got to talk again. This has been, it's Friday. This has been Nicole, Nicole, Nicole. Thank you so much for being here. We Harlan, are, Harlan, Harlan. Of course. Till next time, Nicole. All right. <laughs> what a clean, what a clean ending. 